Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Wednesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, Fulton County Sheriff Patrick Labatt joins me. There's lots to talk about, including the sheriff's desire to keep to lease or buy the Atlanta City Detention Center his thoughts on curbing violent crimes, and more. But first, this. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has issued a state of emergency, he did this yesterday, for 92 counties in Middle South and Southeast Georgia in preparation for what is now Tropical Storm Elsa. We called up meteorologist Katie Martin with the National Weather Service in Peachtree City to get the latest on what coastal Georgia could expect. Georgia, it's going to primarily be the southeastern portion of Georgia of the coast where in some spots a widespread uh, three to five inches. So locally higher amounts are definitely possible as the storm comes through. And here in the Atlanta region, Martin says nothing too severe is headed our way. The main effect we'll feel in the Atlanta metro area and surrounding areas is mainly just the increase in moisture from the, the tropical storm. So we'll see uh, periods of, of rain and a couple storms today. Some of the rain could be heavy, could have some rumbles of thunder, but uh, by and large, our severe threat is low and the flooding threat also low. Just some rumbles of thunder. As for when Tropical Storm Elsa is getting up out of here? We should see the center of the storm well out of our area, even out of South Carolina, by about 2 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday. So it'll be pretty fast moving. And in other news, First Lady Jill Biden is set to visit a COVID-19 vaccine site at a local Savannah high school this Thursday. Now joining the First Lady, Georgia Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Biden and Warnock are scheduled to speak at Alfred Eli Beach High School. And this comes as President Joe Biden gave a briefing yesterday on how the nation's COVID-19 vaccine rollout is actually going. Biden says it's time to shift from mass vaccination sites and meet people where they are. His administration will invest more in pop-up mobile clinics in places like churches, schools, and workplaces. And finally. I love you. Let's go back to 1946, shall we? It was 75 years ago on this day, July 7th, in Plains, Georgia. Two young folks got married. Their name, Jimmy and Rosalind. Jimmy was 21, Rosalind was 18. You may know them, former President and Georgia Governor Jimmy Carter and former First Lady Rosalind Carter. The Carters are reportedly planning a very big party with just a few hundred friends. Happy anniversary. This is Closer Look. Enjoy Nat King Cole. And you alone were meant for me. Please give your loving heart to me. And say we'll never part 
Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. And it's a trend that continues. According to data tracked by Gun Violence Archive, this past 4th of July weekend, at least 150 people were killed and there were more than 400 shootings across the nation, including, of course, several shooting, shooting deaths here in Atlanta and Cobb County. Violent crime is up in a lot of major cities. That includes Atlanta and Fulton County. Now, overall, since last year, the nation as a whole is, ex- is experiencing a lot of crime. And there's a significant rise in murders, for example, that happened during 2020. And the FBI believes that this number, although the final data won't be released until September, but their data points point to a potential 25 percent increase. Just how to combat this spike in crime and other issues? Well, today we continue our conversations with local law enforcement leaders. Now, when Patrick Labatt campaigned to become Fulton County's next sheriff, he had three, four areas of focus. They included crime reduction and public safety, improved jail conditions, repeat offenders and reentry, use of force, policy review, and accountability. Well, Labatt won a runoff last August. Joining me now is Fulton County Sheriff Patrick Labatt. Sheriff, thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And as you mentioned, I, I ran on uh, several key points that are important to our community. And, and thank you for the opportunity to come and share. Well, let's let's begin, though, Sheriff, with your, with your thoughts on what a lot of major cities, not just the Atlanta area, but a lot of major cities are grappling with the overall crime increase in the nation. What do you make of that? Uh, we're, we're in a, a different kind of pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is one that is somewhere along the lines we have lost the ability to have a conversation, have tough conversations. And the first thing we do now is pull a gun out. Mm-hmm. And so along with that conversation is our obligation to really uh, teach people how to communicate, but at the same time let people understand or have people understand that uh, while law enforcement is in the center of some of those uh, opportunities, we have to really stay focused on our ability to communicate as good humans. Let me ask you this, because there is a theory from some that the effects of the pandemic which could be unemployment, obviously mental health issues as well, also being at the core of this. Do you support that theory? I I check out all the above, Mm -hmm. right? It is in some instances where we have been shut down as a community, as a society for so long. Uh, Here in the Atlanta region, for instance, in Fulton County, uh, Atlanta's where everybody wants to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't shut down in some some areas like many of the states and cities did around the country. And so people flocked to Atlanta. Uh, it is un, it is a unique position to be in, given that people people love Atlanta and when it's not a pandemic. 
And so now that we're open, we have a, an opportunity to figure out how we push the message. And the first thing our young people are doing is, is picking up a gun to resolve disputes. Let's talk about that because, Sheriff, as you know, everyone has their opinion about the solutions, whether it's mayoral candidates or, or whomever. Everyone feels like they have the solution. But through your lens, what are you not hearing people talk about from the law enforcement end that perhaps it's a holistic approach or what simply is not happening well, enough? Well, the one thing we haven't had a chance to discuss uh, is what's happen what's not happening enough is – our ability to lean back on what we we've done for years and that's really have a conversation if you look we have a new campaign we started think twice save a life mm-hmm. all right not let be your first instinct to be pull a weapon who do you need to who needs to hear that conversation i think though? everybody does and, and let me tell you why i say mm-hmm. that because when you pull that weapon out you ruin more than just your life the person that is becomes a victim, the person that pulls the actual weapon, their families involved, mothers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, that whose lives are changed in seconds. And so if we take an opportunity to simply think, all right, where we are, can we prevent this? You mentioned young folks, and I want to be very clear. Do you want to move now talking about juveniles or because there's some old folks, too, pulling out guns? I agree. You know, so let's focus on juveniles because one might say, well, how does a juvenile get access to a weapon now come on we all you know i mean it's it's not that hard let's be really clear apparently it's not that hard absolutely it it is happening right you can't i say facts are a stubborn thing all the time and so we have to look at the evolution and and what we've seen in law enforcement where a juvenile may be breaking into to a car looking for uh, money or maybe looking for a laptop or any anything that they for whatever reason they're doing that and then they find a weapon and that weapon translates into power, translates into money in many instances. And so I would submit to you there are many people. People don't realize how many juveniles are armed at this point. Let's dissect that a little further, Sheriff. There's a reason then that these juveniles, our youth, are turning to this criminal activity. Is it due to poverty? Is it due to pressure from other juveniles, or even some adults, because let's be clear, we we got that issue going on too. All of the above, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I believe it's a combination, right? And I said this yesterday in another uh, forum. If anyone believes that we don't have a gang problem in Atlanta, they've been hiding under a rock somewhere. We have pressures, as you mentioned, from adults to have juveniles participate in some of the most heinous crimes. Uh, really literally across the country specifically in our area our juvenile situation those that have committed crimes end up being turned over to their parents Mm -hmm. right and then what does that look like you look like it looks like a child gets in trouble we spend the majority of the day looking for a parent or parents right it's important to, to note the difference in many instances where we find a parent singular mm-hmm. they're, they're this is not their first instance of being in trouble and so we uh, to, to your point to dissect that a little further it becomes fast money right and they call it a trap for a reason and you know, we have great great community organizers that have gone out to figure out how we deal with this quote unquote I, I, I hate to use the term but the, the water boy situation mm-hmm. right these these kids want to make money sure we, we've had community organizers provide 
enough clothing for them to then have a job in restaurants, et cetera. But they ultimately, in many instances, have quit, mm-hmm. right? The fast money in that way of life has become something, again, that's why we call it a trap. Moving from, because obviously we're not going to get to solution with our youth, and, and we'll have more conversations, but I want to move then on to just crime in general, because when you are able to make an arrest, whether it's with you, Fulton County Sheriff or APD or whomever, when you are able to make an arrest, and we keep hearing people say, well, then these folks are let out by the courts now. We know the court system has been altered due to the pandemic. How do you see that also being a barrier for what you all are trying to do? Are too many repeat offenders being let out? So, uh, and I am part of the repeat offender task force. Uh, we have to really acknowledge the fact that these these things are happening. I'm very proud of our, our DA, uh, Fannie Willis, who has stepped up to say, for those that, uh, and, and she and I joined lock, in lockstep, for those that mean to do us harm and hurt in our community, we are going to really throw the book at you we, if, if that is the intent all right accidents you're happen. talking about serious violent absolutely crime offender or absolutely. alleged crime offenders absolutely right those that are accused in those spaces and those that are proven to be guilty now when it comes to repeat offenders i have watched repeatedly the numbers continue to rise and so when you, you look at someone that's been arrested three four five 20, 30 times, then it, there is something that goes along with that. There's either a mental issue somewhere that we need to really have a conversation about, or there are also opportunities for, and, and we're partnering with judges as well, to figure out how to get them better information. Sheriff, are you also saying that maybe there are some folks who are detained, maybe on some lesser minor crimes that perhaps maybe shouldn't be in there if there was a way, if there was a program for them to be in be you know referred to because now we get into the overcrowding right and well we are working through that piece right and collectively as a community and, and let me let me you know delve down on that you 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 may know that when i was the chief of the city of atlanta department of corrections we had a groundbreaking reentry program that we are bringing forth at, at the county that allows individuals to become um, really certified and employed with either the city or the county, and instead of leaving with $25 in a bus ticket, left with $20,000, $30,000 in the bank, and an opportunity to become productive citizens back into our community and maintain that job. And so I had the pleasure, no, no one would ever think this, I had the pleasure just the other week to talk to three or four of the members of the first cohort, cohort who are still city employees. And they are enjoying. I tell people all the time they start working on their retirement while they're incarcerated. It's well, never been done, and Sheriff, we have to do that. You know, someone listening, to be fair, would say that sounds great. So it sounds like you all also have a backlog because if there's this overcrowding, which you have, mm-hmm. and not just you, other folks are saying, how do we deal with that? If we first need to look at the population and then decide who really should be here because they, maybe they're a good candidate for another program, is there a backlog in that? So is that what you're telling well, me? So there, there is a combination of both. And what we have been very thoughtful about is working with the DA, working with our solicitor general, uh, Keith Gamage, and making sure that those that can go to programs go to programs. One of the things that we had to do when we first came in as an administration was really pull. We had nearly 3,000 persons detained and look at those that either belong at the state 
look at those that have lesser crimes and figure <laughs> out why is it they are still in the system. Because I maintained at one point we had over 800 people that were incarcerated that had been incarcerated longer than a year and not been to a second arraignment. Was that pre-pandemic? No, this was during. This this was going through the process mm -hmm. because I came in. It was pre-pandemic, but mm -hmm. then as we started pulling the 800 numbers. 800 people. They hadn't gone back to court in over 365 days. But what we what were does able, that say to you, Sheriff? Well, that means that, that, that the system was broken. But it also means that we're able to now partner with the Solicitor General and the DA, look at those specific charges, look at how we can get them either the services or the representation. In many cases, it's lack of representation that ended up where people just have not had an mm -hmm. opportunity to have their bonds decreased. And how do we know that some mm -hmm. folks' constitutional rights haven't been violated here? I know well, that, that may not be your area, but someone listening with some advocacy group out there is already typing, I, sending out emails saying, you know. Well, trust and believe, and, and to your point, trust and believe that each and every week we make a conscious effort to go through those particular numbers and mm -hmm. make sure that anyone that should be in jail is still in jail and anyone that is, deserves to be out and even court-appointed or otherwise needs to be out, we're able to, to take that mantle with them. When you mentioned that 800 mm -hmm. number, and we know the cycle of what can happen if one individual is incarcerated on a minor offense, what that can do for an entire household. If those 800, and I'm going to use this term, beds or spaces were mm -hmm. freed up, what would that mean for you all in the Sheriff's Department in terms of being able then to detain for those who are alleged to have committed or committed some serious violent crimes well it again when we run the numbers right and and part of what i've always maintained in some of those low-level cases mm -hmm. many people were in jail longer than they would have been had they gone to court and a judge wouldn't have sentenced somebody longer than a year for those particular purposes going back to your point directly or to your question directly it means that we can get people off the floor and any given time, I have between 200 and 300 uh, young men that are sleeping in devices we call boats, and they're on the floor. And I have an obligation to get people off the floor. Let's back up, because when we talk about Fulton County, I think sometimes people just want to focus on Atlanta. But we're talking right. about a lot of cities within That's a good Fulton point. County. You know, we got we got Milton, we got you know Alpharetta, we got all these folks. And Fifteen I know, cities. Right, and I know that one of the detention centers was closed due to COVID. Is that still correct? So. What we found is that the Alpharetta Annex was closed. The previous administration closed the Alpharetta Annex due to COVID. Mm -hmm. I would suggest to you, and, and we are in the process of trying to, to unshutter that facility with the help of Alpharetta and Johns Creek and, and several of my, my county commissioners, with an understanding that I'm not running a, a municipal facility. Mm -hmm. So ultimately that's what was occurring. And so what we're going to do on the front end as we uh, continue to unclutter, unshelter, the un, unshutter that particular facility is we'll, we'll create a transference process, meaning if anyone is arrested in the North County, they can stay mm -hmm. long enough to make bond. Three or four hours later, if they haven't made bond, then we can uh, transfer them to Right Street. How many spaces do you need to get detainees off the floor 
for right now? That's a great question. So one one of the exercises that we have been going through, and I'm sure you, you've seen uh, in my attempt to uh, regain ACDC as, as, a, as a custody facility, is the optimal number will be 25. I mean, uh, will be 500. Mm-hmm. What we have done as of this morning is break down the number to see how best we can hopefully negotiate and provide better services. So 500 would allow me to be very specific. 500 would allow me to shut down the South Annex where the ladies are being held, mm-hmm. provide additional resources to them in a direct supervisional Are the capacity. women in Union City? They are. Okay. Well, let me let me let us be proper. Yes. So I promised Mayor Williams that it is not the Union City jail okay. any longer. Okay. He's the mayor of Union City. It is the South Annex for Fulton County. Well, but it's and in Union City. That's Sheriff. where it is. Right. I mean, but, we need to. I need but, to let. I mean, from a journalist standpoint, I need to tell folks where that that's is. That's where it is. South could be anywhere. I agree. I agree. Right. But it's it's determined to be the South Annex. That's what it was called before I took over. But it was bought by the county. Okay. For right now, you would prefer, if you could, to lease some spaces from the city of Atlanta for that detention center. I correct. know you would like a new facility, correct? Correct. But for now, you are okay with leasing. How are those, how are those negotiations going? What's the holdup here? You're telling me 800 folks, first of all, probably shouldn't be incarcerated, and you got 500 folks on the floor well well you know i like clarity and i like my journalists too so i didn't say 800 shouldn't be incarcerated i just said that that's how many that's the number of people that have been incarcerated longer than a year fair enough without having gone back to court so i I appreciate that now with respect to acdc it is one of the most modern facilities in its structure and how it is run based on direct supervision which is a a methodology of treating people in a more humane fashion Mm -hmm. You know, I've said this quite publicly. If we can move the, the young ladies there, mm-hmm. they will be afforded more opportunities to more resources, to include mental health resources. I can also then get nearly 300 people off of the floor at the 901, men off the, at the 901 Rice Street mm-hmm. facility off of the floor. To your knowledge, how many individuals or are any individuals housed in Atlanta's detention center right now? So their average daily population, based on the information I have, is under 50, somewhere around 44. At one point during the, the, the year when I was looking for additional spaces and additional opportunity, they had less than 20 people. There are 1,300 beds there. And so my, my reasoning for, I'd love to own the building, but, but again, you know, that's not my area mm-hmm. of expertise. We leave that to the Board of Commissioners. Uh, but you did want to. You did say you wanted to lead the negotiations with the well, city on. Well, I have right? an obligation to, and, okay. and so let me break that down just sure. a little bit. If it comes to the sale of property, sale of the building, then that's a board of commissioners' duty. Mm-hmm. When it comes to housing and how we treat our detainees, uh, that is my obligation. And my, I took an oath to treat people humanely. That is led by the sheriff. What's the holdup? I know that there's a divided city council. If this is just to lease in order to get folks off off the floor, as you put it, and treat folks with respect, even if they are, are detained, what is the issue through your lens? So, and, and that's a very fair question. Through, through my lens, it was not, in, in my opinion, clearly understood by, on, on the city side by the city leaders that 
it was the sheriff that they should have been talking to and not the chairman of the board of commissioners. So when a draft letter of intent was sent, it was not sent to the sheriff. It was sent to the chairman of the board, who is who by, you know, through through the meetings. Chairman Pitts. Chairman Pitts. Mm-hmm. And through the meetings, it was not sent through the entire to the entire board. Either way, that was a draft letter to which the mayor sent Chairman Pitts, not to me. And so I wrote the mayor, right, and simply said, based on what we just finished discussing, this is my obligation, my duty. I have the negotiation authority as a sheriff to talk about the particular detainees and how we house them. What in was a more her response? Fashion. Well, her, her response uh, through, again, a draft uh, letter of intent was that there were a particular 150 detainees that they would entertain, right? And she put stipulations on those. And as we ran the numbers on the stipulations, we had 10 people that would qualify what for were those that. stipulations in terms of the in char- terms of re- the account, the charge? Charges in terms of the rehabilitative processes or reentries, maybe services that they wanted to offer. But again, this wasn't sent to me. This was sent to the chairman. And so after having talks with the county manager as well as the chairman, you know, and the my team with respect to what we truly need, we need 500 bed spaces. So I, I countered that and, and sent a letter to the mayor, and she sent one back recently as last week that simply says they are not willing to to do 500 bed spaces. Why? And I can't. I You'd have to ask the mayor. You I have mean, a good relationship with Mayor Bottoms. Didn't y'all go to the same high school? We went to the same high school. We went to the same high school. Where's the, the, the Doug love? There's no Douglas love here? Well, you know. It, Not it, to be le- flippant, but. No, know. no. It, leadership is hard. Yeah. Right? Leadership is hard. If so, if, if it were not hard, everybody would do it. And so from that capacity, I'll tell you what I told the mayor, and that is quite simply uh, in a previous conversation, that, one, I knew I was going to be the sheriff uh, early on when I ran. Uh, that was the, the level of confidence in which I, I bring to the table. And when I won, it is simply an opportunity for us to say, look, it's a new sheriff in town. This is an old problem. This is going on for decades. You got two new leaders. Let's sit at the table and figure out how we work that out. Now, to to the mayor's credit, I, I got another letter again, as I mentioned earlier, last week. And so we're, we are going to, now that we have the right players, negotiating mm-hmm. and I do want to give a shout out to Councilman Bond and Joyce Shepherd who have who have picked this you know bucket up to say we have a responsibility to treat people like they're human. You feel confident mm-hmm. something can be worked out so that you will at least get more than 10? I feel I feel confident we have a great proposal that'll go back at the end of this week and that it sets forth a timeline but the one thing that will happen is I am going to get people off of the floor uh, people don't deserve to be sleeping on the floor. And as a matter of fact, as I pointed out to the mayor and several other people, the American Bar Association alone defines what spaces look like and their definition of, of how a person should at least be detained. What's your timeline to get folks off the floor as you put First it? week in August. 
first that, week in August. What if that doesn't happen? What if you all can't come to an agreement? Well, if we don't come to an agreement, I'm, I have already partnered with the sheriff of Cobb County, Gwinnett County. You know, we, we have great working relationships, uh, in, including Henry County. So we're going to make a proposal uh, to each one of those entities as well as. Now, then what happens, right, as a matter of order operations, at that point, the county has to add the monies to the budget. The, the Board of Commissioners has I was going to ask you, don't you have to pay for that? We absolutely do. And that, now you're looking at a price tag between, depending on the facility and how many people, uh, we soft estimate between 5 and, and $9 million a year. Are you able to break down in terms of locale for those, the, those spaces? Would it mostly be for folks that were charged here in the Atlanta area? And I know you have folks coming from Alpharetta, or I imagine there is a great disparity is there a great disparity in terms of numbers here? Well, we wouldn't house based on, on location. We'd house based on classification. Okay. Right. And based on our need. And so, and, and again, that brings up the, the situation at the, the South Annex, right, mm-hmm. Union City, is how can we better serve that population? Uh, in a direct supervision facility, we could better serve them. So that would be my First focus, right? Mm-hmm. That would be I'm laser focused on getting them some additional resources, getting them some additional help, and so we focus there, and then you know simultaneously getting people off the floor. Due to time constraints, I we have to wrap mm-hmm. up, but I do want to get to this because it, you mentioned leadership. You brought this up. Mm-hmm. Um, folks and have different leadership styles. Uh, your leadership style in leading Fulton County Sheriff Department. Um, what kind of leader are you? Well, the first is I, I'm like you. I like facts, and, and from from the you know, first of all, it's the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. All right, a lot of people, and 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 that's a great point. A lot of people don't understand the breadth and uh, where we are with what sheriffs do. Right, as a sheriff, I am the chief law enforcement in the county. Fulton County of 159 counties in the state of Georgia is absolutely the largest county. We mm-hmm. serve 1.2 million constituents. And as a chief law enforcement and as the leader of such a distinct uh, group of women and men, I'm the kind of person that understands a couple things that happen. If you break the law, there are consequences for breaking the law. And so what you'll get out of me is transparency. You'll get very thoughtful um, aggression when it comes to protecting our community and and that's the direction we're moving in in terms of accountability you understand this uh, to the actions of, a, of an officer sheriff what have you you have you had time to even properly go through fulton county's not only standard operating procedures mm-hmm. but also accountability for when there is a complaint or when quite frankly it is clear that maybe something an officer or sheriff didn't do something they were supposed to do so and and that's a great question in, inside six months right and that or having completed six months going into our seventh month we've 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 started an, a very thorough review of our policies and procedures you'd be shocked to know maybe not shocked to know that some of our policies and procedures date back to 1983 right and you cannot call yourself an accredited aid, accredited agency and have policies that don't get reviewed every year or every like other what, year. Like what, for example? It it goes back to everything about how we transport detainees, the number of detainees that can be transported. You know, it was different in 1983 mm-hmm. than it is now, right, for safety and security reasons. And, I mean, there are a number of policies. So what we did, 
leveraging technology. We brought in a, a, a document managing company that allows us to easily review. But equally as important, and you brought this up, uh, I, there are two elements out of three in every conversation that we've come in and we're starting to focus on, and that's with in the last hire all the way to the person that's been here the longest. It, any encounter with a Fulton County Sheriff's Office employee has to have these elements. Thank you, please, and more importantly, how may we help you? How, how do you see that process working? Because I think also what folks may not know, I think a lot of folks do know, the duties of the Sheriff's Department, because you all also have to back up federal and state law enforcement. So there and there could also possibly lie another problem, whether you're serving a warrant on someone or, or looking for someone or what have you. So do you feel like there's sometimes a, an entanglement because now you've got three different levels here and if someone wants to be charged with something, there's all this tape. As former Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard used to talk about, the challenges of trying to prosecute someone or even investigate a, a, a federal marshal and in the shooting death of Jamarian Robinson. So for us, it's a little easier, right? I, I tell people I've never met a stranger, right? And part of that moves into a space where we came in rebuilding relationships. Mm -hmm. We had to rebuild our relationship with the Atlanta Police Department, with the FBI, with the Marshal Services. And so in many instances, we weren't providing enough, right? Their relation, every relationship requires give and take. And so we've leaned on and rebuilt those relationships to a point that we will be transparent about what we do and how we do it. And equally as important is the understanding that we have to be thoughtful about how we change our culture. When you start talking about criminal justice reform, when you start talking about even the policies and procedures you, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned earlier, it starts with leadership. And so as we begin to review, as we begin to figure out how we treat people, it starts with even our mission statement. We had a long, drawn-out mission statement, and we changed it to one word, service. With all your years, experience in law enforcement, are you able, Sheriff Labatt, to know when someone is a good candidate to be, to be in the Fulton County Sheriff's Department? Because is recruiting, I've asked this question to so many chiefs and, and, and you know, sheriffs about recruitment. Are you able to determine when someone really is a good candidate? Because you might be getting someone who really should not be in law, should not be in law enforcement. And that's always a challenge, right? Uh, as I did with the city and as I have continued to do is whether it be five minutes or 15 minutes, when we hire individuals, I take an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. What's that right. conversation? It is much like now, right? Tell me about yourself, right? Why do you want to be a part of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office? Why do you want to be in law enforcement? You, and, and we can really discern. We had a really good background investigation team, and we can discern based on some of the new post rules that are coming out, Peace Officer Standing Training Council, people jumping from agency to agency for whatever those reasons are. That automatically uh, uh, disqualifies you in some instances, right? Because if, if you've been in five different agencies in two years. That's a red flag for you? That's a red flag. And so where those red flags pop up, uh, we, we have a responsibility to, to act. And then the other thing is we do a better job with voice stress analyzers and polygraphs, right? But we also do a better job of now our psychological profiling. And what I mean by that, excuse me, what I mean by that is 
in most law enforcement institutions, you get one psych exam. You come in, and, and, and I'm a good example. You came in in 86, 87, had one psych exam. Doesn't matter what you go through, that's generally there. So now we are moving to How an annual How long was your psych exam. exam? Do you remember? Maybe 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes to an hour, if, if that. Uh, now, that's almost 32 years ago. Let me be clear. <laughs> uh, but it, what we're doing in the spaces that we're moving into are making sure that we do at least an annual exam, right? Mm-hmm. In, in lieu of the monies to do that, uh, we'd love to do two a year. Anyone that goes into a special unit, right, whether it be our new Scorpion team or crime suppression team, whether it be a SWAT team or in any high-profile team, have to get another exam. This leads me to then for those who've been in the department for a while. We, I see you looking at your watch. We're going to wrap up in a no, minute. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you scare me when you do that. No, 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 no. When no, guests no, no, do no. that, I'm like, what are you looking at your watch for? No. Uh, let uh, me. I'm, but, I'm on your time. I appreciate that. And what about making sure you have resources, whether it's mental resources, for sheriffs, for officers, who all personnel throughout the year, and maybe they've been with you for five years. Mm-hmm. Mental, because we know that there is a, there's a mental stress for officers as well. And, and you're 3,000% correct. And, and I tell people all the time, the divorce rate is so high, uh, the mental strain is so high, the stress and the, the distractions that go along with that is so high because it is tough to do what we do. It is a lot to unpack on a daily basis, right? It, even with my correctional staff, you go in and you have to take care of the least of these who are now sleeping on the floor in inhumane conditions in some capacity. That's, that's a lot of stress, right? How do we give people an opportunity to, to de-stress? What does that look like? Do you have yeah. trouble with retaining folks then? We do. We do. I mean, it is, and, and, and let me tell you, it is, it, is, it is something that is happening across the board when it comes to law enforcement. It's a tough time to be in law enforcement. But the one thing that I have done that I have not seen many administrations do, and that is reach out to our board of commissioners. I invited our board of commissioners in to take a tour, right? See what our people do, mm-hmm. right? I've invited the city council in, to Atlanta City Council. See what our people do on a daily basis so you can understand that there's a reason I'm asking for additional dollars. Did anybody take yeah. you up on that absolutely. tour? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was pleasantly surprised at the number of board of commissioners that uh, either called immediately, scheduled tours, came, uh, as well as city council members, but to to understand firsthand. And I'm not talking about they didn't send people. Right. We want to send our, our chief of staff. Now, the chief of staff came. Mm-hmm. But no, this this is I'm, I'm very proud of our board of commissioners. And their feedback. Did they say, Sheriff, we we kind of get it now? We get they it. didn't get it before. We get, well, we get it. We want to help. Tell us what we need to do to help. But you've Prime told example. them you need some spaces. So, <laughs> well, again, but they are now they understand. And now they have a, a reference point. And then going back to even compensation. So right now uh, it, there's a particular count uh, city in the north. Right. I won't I won't tell your listeners where uh, but they can an individual that's coming on board that has some experience can make up to ten thousand dollars in in a bonus check seven thousand dollars for joining three thousand dollars for moving right so i sent that to my uh, each one of my county commissioners with an understanding we have to be competitive in this space because we're all pulling from the same pool right your budget 
What's your yes, annual operating budget, Sheriff? $125 million. $25 million of that is solely based for health care and mental health care. Another 80% of that is of the- salary. If, if, and, and a better question is, are we underfunded? We absolutely oh, yeah, That was are. coming, too. That was yeah. my next question. I, I know you. We absolutely are. Uh, we are doing a, a really good job of $125 million for the largest county in Georgia, mm-hmm. the Sheriff's Department, with what you all do. How much do you need, or do you think you need? Then? We need an additional 30 to $50 million. It just depends on. Is there any federal funding that you all get? We're going after that as well, right? So where there are opportunities and state funding. So I do want to uh, commend Governor Kemp. And he has been very uh, gracious to the sheriff's office with respect to uh, any resources, partnering with with Georgia State Patrol, looking at how we can better serve our communities and being very thoughtful around that. So we're moving into uh, being laser focused on fighting crime, right? Everybody wants to be safe where they work, live, and play. And, but we're doing it in a space. And I mentioned the Scorpion team earlier. We have uh, 21 young men that are going out in a crime suppression fashion. How do you make sure that Scorpion team doesn't bring up the old remnants of the, the Red Dog team from back in the day over there at Eastlake? Yeah, I get, I get it. You know I get, that was I get problematic. That que- I get that question all the time. But this is an investigative tool first. And and you mentioned repeat offenders earlier, right? When I when I took over as as sheriff, when I when, when I came in one one twenty one, we had thirteen hundred warrants that needed to be executed. Now, what does that mean? That means in some instance, there thirteen hundred people that have been accused, and there thirteen hundred potential victims and we have to do a better job of providing safety and security fulton county sheriff patrick labont thank you so much for coming in and taking the time thank you for answering all the questions we really appreciate it we want to stay on top of the situation with the atlanta city jail and the overcrowding issue do i need to bring all y'all together hey let's do it and talk let's about this look i told you before i'm not my job is not to advocate but i can ask questions a- amen amen no we 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 will get it done and i appreciate the opportunity appreciate the time thank you very much thank you and that's it for this edition of closer look a reminder you can always catch closer look weeknights at 7 p.m as well as online at wabe.org slash closer look and of course you know we're in a podcast because everybody is so just check us out wherever you subscribe stay tuned to 90.1 wabe atlanta's choice for npr send me a feedback on what you think of today's show rose at wabe.org or hit me up on twitter at wabe rose scott stay tuned to 90.1 wabe atlanta's choice for npr i'm rose scott Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. 
Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.